Well, we can be pretty forgetful people sometimes, can't we? I talked about how I often forget stuff at the shops, but we can forget names too, can't we? Names. Are you someone that forgets names or faces? I forget names. We forget dates. And there's some dates that you just never, ever want to forget, like Mother's Day or your mum's birthday or Father's Day or your dad's birthday. We forget to text our friends back, to reply to emails. We forget to take out the rubbish and we forget where we put things. But I wonder whether you've got a painful memory, not when you've forgotten something, but when someone's forgotten you. Not when you've forgotten something, but when someone's forgotten you. Did your mum or dad ever forget to pick you up from school? It happened to me. It's the worst. Not so much sitting there lonely, waiting for someone to pick you up that isn't going to turn up, but it's the emotional pain of being forgotten. It's scarred me a bit, I know. It can be a pretty traumatic experience to be left at school, sitting there on your own, while everyone else has gone home and is playing backyard cricket already. But at the end of the day, mum or dad forgetting to pick you up from school isn't that big a deal. In my case, the school would just ring mum up and she'd come and get me, albeit embarrassed. Well, far more traumatic, far more tragic, far more disastrous, with far worse consequences, is forgetting God, forgetting the Lord. Now, that is a big deal, because God is the one on whom our life depends. All of us here this morning are in danger of forgetting the Lord. And there's a strong warning for us here that we cannot miss if we want to be people who are totally devoted to God. And it's a warning that we hear by entering Israel's story. We entered Israel's story last week in Deuteronomy. Well, we're entering it again here. And in Deuteronomy 8, Israel is in danger of forgetting the one on whom their life depends. Remember, they're standing on the edge of the promised land for 40 years They've been doing it tough in the desert. For 40 years, they've been en route to this great land. Moses has reminded them of the God who has been totally devoted to them, calling them to be totally devoted to him. They're to love him and they're to express this love in joyful obedience and it's to spill out into every area of life. And that's what we saw last week. Now this love, this devotion, this loyalty goes hand in hand with remembrance, okay? With remembrance. If they're going to love God wholeheartedly and remain loyal to Him, remembering the Lord is crucial because He's the one on whom their lives depend. But their remembrance of the Lord will be tested and Moses is right onto this. So he speaks to prepare Israel for a prosperity test because their future depends on how they respond. You see, they're entering a land that has truckloads of good stuff, masses of wealth, 
riches beyond their dreams. You get this idea in verses 7 to 9. And as I read them, I want you to reflect on these words. I want you to picture the kind of land that awaits them. It might even help to close your eyes, but don't fall asleep. No falling asleep this morning. I'll read from verse 7. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. Well, is this what you pictured? If we could go to the next slide. Is that what you pictured? No. I hope it was something more like this. Beautiful, isn't it? Beautiful, green, (coughs) luscious land. Well, this place cannot be more different uh, from the desert that they've just been wandering in for 40 years. Because unlike the desert, which is dry as a bone, there's a limitless supply of fresh water in this place. Unlike the desert, where you can't grow a thing... The ground is fertile and produces a rich variety of food. Unlike the desert where there's nothing all that valuable, business and trade is possible with precious metals from the ground. It's hard to sell sand or dirt, isn't it? There's not much you can do with it, really. But copper or iron, you can do something with that. You can trade it. It's hard to overstate how ridiculously awesome this land is that Israel are entering into. They're going to have everything at their fingertips here. And this prosperity, this is the test. And the question is, how will they respond to the test? Will they remember the Lord in their prosperity? Or will they forget? Well, the right response, of course, to this sweet-as-life in the land that awaits them is to remember the one who they depend on for it. Remember the one who gives them everything in this amazing land. If they're going to be totally devoted to God, remembering him, the one who gives them this stuff, is crucial. And the marker of whether they remember him or not is whether they obey him, whether they obey the commandments that were given. Because remembrance and obedience go together. They're inseparable. In Deuteronomy, remembering or remembrance is more than simply calling to mind something in the past. It's more than simply calling to mind something in the past. It's more than just remembering facts. It's almost a reliving of the past. And more than that, it's a reliving of the past in a way that causes action, in a way that brings about a response. It has a profound impact on the presence, this kind of remembering. A profound impact on the present. Well, what are they to remember? The first thing they're to remember is the Lord who disciplines. They're to do this by reflecting on their nation's time in the desert. Why? Because their remembrance of it will ensure humble dependence on God rather than on themselves. Their life in the desert wasn't pointless. It wasn't a waste of time. It was a training program, disciplining them to trust the Lord completely for their existence. 
Have a look at verses 2 to 5. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. We all know good discipline is necessary, don't we? An elite athlete doesn't make it in their sport without disciplined training. Unfortunately for me, discipline training wasn't enough. Good parents will appropriately discipline their children for adulthood. I hate to think what I'd be like if I'd received zero discipline from my parents and zero discipline from my teachers at school. I would be a dead set rat bag. And so would you, I'd imagine. The Lord's discipline is always good. Good for Israel and good for us even though it might be painful at times. Well, how might God discipline us? How might he teach us to depend on him and rely on him in all things? Well, I take it he can discipline us through all things, through good times and bad. The Christian life is a disciplined life where we are learning to be disciples of Jesus. But one way he might teach us uh, to rely on him, discipline us, is by taking us through hard times. Life is not always a bed of roses. Being a Christian is not always easy. But those times of hardship, those difficult times, whatever might bring them about, whether it is the loss of health, or the loss of financial security, or the loss of something else, they teach us to depend on God, They teach us to depend on Him alone and not on ourselves. Hardship is never pointless. We don't always know why we go through the things we do. We can't always understand why life can be so hard or why things happen to us that we don't get. But hardship is never pointless and we are taught to completely rely on God. If Israel are to obey the Lord wholeheartedly, if they are to be totally devoted to him as humble and dependent children of his, then when they are tested, they must remember the discipline of the Lord. Well, the second thing they're to remember is the Lord who gives. He gives them everything. After Moses describes this paradise of a land that we looked at before, he gets Israel to look forward. Look forward to when they're in the land enjoying this paradise. This is what he says in verse 10. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Everything in the land, all that they enjoy is God's gift to them. But not only this, not only is the stuff in it God's gift, so are any abilities they might use to gain the benefits of the land. Look at verse 18. 
But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. No doubt that Israel will benefit from working hard in the land. No doubt they'll bring different skills to the table needed to make the most of the land that they're in and in order to be successful in all their work. But at the end of the day, their energy and skills needed to do the work are gifts from God. Everything they have is from God. The wealth they produce by applying their skills isn't meant to confirm how awesome they are or how great their abilities are. That's not what it's meant to confirm. It's to confirm something else, something bigger than them, something God is doing. The Lord gives to them to confirm his covenant with them. Did you see that? The covenant where God promised to Abraham out of love a land, a nation and blessing. If Israel have any hope of remaining loyal to their God and obeying his commandments, which goes with that, they can't be focusing on themselves. They need to be focusing on the God who keeps his promises. That's where their eyes need to be. They must remember the Lord who gives. But of course, there's another response, isn't there? There's another response to the prosperity test that they face. And it's the wrong response. Forgetting. Forgetting the Lord who disciplines. Forgetting the Lord who gives. If remembrance and obedience go together, forgetfulness and disobedience go together. If remembering leads to humility and dependence, forgetting leads to pride and self-dependence. Forgetting the Lord would be disastrous for Israel. They are warned of the destruction that awaits them if they forget. You see it there in the last two verses of the passage. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them... I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed like the nations the Lord destroyed before you. So you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. Israel must watch out. The totally devoted Lord requires a totally devoted people. And if they turn to other gods and idols, they'll be destroyed. If they forget that the Lord himself is the one and only God, there will be consequences. How devastating it would be if a people who were miraculously rescued from slavery in Egypt with with God's powerful hand and mighty arm, then how tragic it would be if when they enter the greatest land they've ever known, if they were to forget the Lord. What a devastating thing to forget the one who gives it to them. What a devastating thing to forget the one on whom their life depends. Some of you might have heard of the French village. I'm going to speak, I'm going to speak some French here and it's going to be really bad, okay? Sorry to any French speakers in the room. Most of you probably haven't heard of it, but some of you might have. Who's heard of the French village Villers-Bretonneux? Oh yeah, there's 
There's a few. When I, when I preached a version of this talk to, at a youth camp, no one knew what that village was or where it was. Villers Bretonneau. I think Peter Fitzsimons has recently written something on the events that happened there. Um, you can get hold of that if you want. But basically, Australia had a massive impact on this little village in France. In World War I, Australian soldiers won an incredible battle there. They stopped Germany's last push on the Western Front, their last push forward. And so decisive was the victory that they won that one British general described it as perhaps the greatest feat of the war. Pretty big call. Pretty big call. But this was just the beginning of Australia's impact on villers Bretonneau. After the war, Victorian schoolchildren raised funds to rebuild the school there. And villers Bretonneau remembers... They remember their debt to Australia. In the classrooms of the village school are these words, a bit more French. Nublion jamais l'Australie. Let us never forget Australia. If it weren't for Australia, they almost certainly wouldn't have what they have today. They wouldn't be the people that they are today. They wouldn't have the hope for their children and their children's children that they have today. They'll never forget the ones on whom they owe so much of their lives. They'll never forget. Are we tempted to forget the one on whom our lives depend? Are we in danger, just as Israel were, of forgetting the Lord? Nublion jamais Yahweh. Let us never forget the Lord. Moses speaks to prepare Israel for the prosperity test that they face in the land that they're about to possess. But if we're here sitting here today, here sitting here, if we're sitting here today thinking that this was just Israel's test, we're kidding ourselves. We need to wake up. We need to become alert. This is not just an ancient test. In our prosperity, we must watch out. We're in danger of becoming proud. We're in danger of becoming self-dependent. We have more than we know. Just look around you now. Have a look around. Look around you. Look at what surrounds you. Musical instruments. AV technology. A microphone so you can hear me. And what about this hall that we're in? It's pretty big. Some of the world wouldn't have even seen a building half this size. Imagine if we stopped right now and we all, just imagine we all had a big roll of butcher's paper and we could roll it out. Imagine if we stopped and we wrote down a list on this massive roll of butcher's paper, of all the things that we have, of all the things that God's blessed us with, each one of us here this morning, how long would this list be? I reckon it would probably go to Kuma. It would be one heck of a list. Well, the Scriptures warn us again and again about riches, about wealth, about prosperity. Not because there's anything wrong with the good things that God's given us, 
but because of what we can turn these things into. Listen to what Paul says in chapter 6 of his first letter to Timothy. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Enjoy what you have. Enjoy your holidays. I'm certainly going to enjoy mine before college goes back next year. Enjoy your iPad. Enjoy your phone. Enjoy your favourite food. Enjoy your house. Enjoy your family. Enjoy whatever it might be that God has graciously given you. Enjoy friends. Enjoy money. Enjoy whatever it is. But do not forget it's God who provides you with everything. Deuteronomy 8 has made that pretty clear, hasn't it? Hear the warning of the passage. Do not forget the Lord. But God doesn't just give us good things. He enables us to be good at things as well, doesn't he? Just as God gave the Israelites success in the land, God gives us success in all kinds of areas of life. Some of you are going to be very successful people. Some of you already are very successful people in life. How will you respond when you receive public praise for something that you achieve? How will you respond when you nail your next exam? How will you respond when your kid lands the lead role in the school musical or is selected in the rep team that they've been trying out for? How will you respond when you're promoted to a higher paid and more important job? As we experience success under God's blessing, will you remember the Lord who gives you this success? Will you remember the Lord who has given you the skills and abilities to achieve all these things? Or will you forget the Lord and become proud and arrogant? Will you forget the Lord who you're completely dependent on, not just for your skills, but for your very existence? We forget the Lord when we forget who we are as creatures in relation to the Creator. If we're to be totally devoted to God and love Him as He has loved us, we need to remember him. Remembrance is at the heart, of the, the heart of our response to the God of love and grace. And ultimately, as Christians, that means remembering Jesus. Jesus is the one on whom our lives depend. It's to his remembrance, in fact, that we owe our lives. Jesus, the ultimate Israelite, takes Deuteronomy seriously. You see this when he's tested in the desert, when Satan, seeking to take advantage of his hunger, challenges him to turn the stones into bread. Remembering God, Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 8 verse 3. Deuteronomy 8 verse 3 and he says, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. At this critical point in his life, Jesus takes Deuteronomy seriously and remembers the one on whom our lives depend. But it's not just here. 
Throughout his whole life, Jesus takes Deuteronomy seriously and remembers the Lord. He isn't proud. He isn't arrogant. He humbles himself and submits to the Father in obedience to him. In fact, as we'll see next week, as we'll see next week, there is hope for us who forget. And that is in Jesus who never forgets the Lord. It'd be a great shame if Villers Bretonneau forgot those who gave them a new start. Nublion jamais l'Australie. But what a soul-destroying failure of memory it is when men, women and children forget the Lord, the one on whom we owe our entire existence. When we fail to trust the Lord for our salvation, when we put our hope in wealth, when we take pride in our self-dependence, we're such a prosperous nation. Canberra is such a prosperous city. All we have comes from the generous hand of the Lord. May we always be people who say we will remember the Lord.